argue with that. Got a, we've got a meeting, gentlemen. Uh-huh. Well, this is cool. So uh, what people can't hear anymore is the fact that it's raining where you guys are. It's raining a little bit here, but not like there. Well, I have this roof where you can really hear the pitter-patter off the top of it. It's like a Florida room affair, like a, you know, uh, what do you call it? A uh, tin roof. Yeah. Well, I'll just say whatever. And and people can't hear the rain anymore. But, um, you know, we should keep a monitor on because what we've done to cancel the rain noise has done something to his microphone. But that's all right. That's okay, people. Yeah. For better or worse. Just different. This sounds like it's uh, a bit more compressed. Oh. Yeah. I mean, listen, no one's ever going to sound like Dan Duran. Don't even try. I've tried for years. It's impossible. Aren't you going to play some, like, rain songs now? Uh, I hadn't uh, got any rain songs ready. Yeah. I apologize. it's July 5th, and our uh, neighbors to the south didn't disappoint, did they? Uh, they had a nice July 4th mass uh, yeah. shooting murder in Chicago. Is that how you want to start the show? Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. No, like I, I've got it written down for later, but if you want to get right into, if you want well, to get there, right into fuck America, I'm, I'm with you. Hey, there was a lull in the action, so I thought I'd start strong. <laughs> All right, well, can you just pause the strong start for a second while I... Text our uh, guest here to see if he's going to join us. Yeah. And then all the usual guys out saying this and then, like, you know, we got to do something. Enough is enough. And then nothing gets done. <clears throat> yeah. Did you, um, <clears throat> like, like, they, they're all, they, they got all proud down there because they had this bipartisan bill that basically, I'm not 100% sure, but basically, it didn't do anything to the ability to buy a gun unless you were basically diagnosed with a mental illness and then you and your psychiatrist went to buy a gun together. <laughs> I think that's the only way you can buy a alley. gun. <laughs> In an alley. Is that My funny. favorite part was if you broke up with your girlfriend, you got to wait a while before you buy a gun. <laughs> I'm sorry, you have to do what? If you break up with your girlfriend... Is that a real thing? Strange couple, you can't get a gun like for a while. <laughs> Is that a real thing you're saying? Yeah, I'm. I'm serious. That's that's in it. <laughs> I mean, I'm condensing. I'm simplifying. Yeah, but uh, that was in there. Wow, that's probably the you most know, they, conse- consequential thing that was in there. The the girlfriend there, the boyfriend loophole. Yeah, right? and of course, you know, they just they can't just go top to bottom with a logical meaningful bill of course because each side has to pretend they got something through it so in the end you've got sort of mince meat yeah there was a tweet i saw i thought it was kind of funny but somebody said uh how do they know the suspect was white it's because he was taken into custody without being shot (laughs) something of that nature you know yeah um but yeah, I don't know if you guys remember this article I was talking to you about a, a month or so ago about the age range of all these mass shooters, mm-hmm. how they're all young men, you know, white men, usually between 18 and 25. 
And uh, again, yesterday, that's the profile of this kid. Mm-hmm. Yes, another angry young person. This was crazy, though. Goes up on a rooftop and a big parade going on below. Yeah. Just starts picking people off. It just shows you. You're just so... You never know. No. You You're never so vulnerable. Know. I mean, the chances are slim it's ever going to happen to you, but... It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, especially down there. So vulnerable. And wow. as you know, I always worry about the copycatting. I do, I do, I do up here. Oh, um, we're going to have to do something with this mic because we can't we can't have that go on for the next hour and a half. It's just what? it's just, it's just well anyway. Maybe Dan can go and listen to it when he's done. Um, it's just it's just changed the nature of your attack, but that doesn't matter. Uh, well, let's listen. You want to talk uh, shooting now and Fox? I got a bunch of stuff I uh, was going to give to you, but let's. Uh, can we just park it for a second and um, and come back to it after we just exchange pleasantries? Well, we've got Dan Duran here. You know, you guys are sitting outside at a lake. It's a beautiful day in the rain. Uh, what you said, though, I, I don't think is 100% true, because just before we started recording, you said, you know, it's a summer in Ontario where every other day sucks. Is that what it's felt like to you guys recently? Because I thought the weather's been pretty good uh, in terms of, you know, it hasn't rained much. There hasn't been much rain. The golf courses I've been on are all dried out. No, it's been horrifically windy up here. Oh, has it? So much so that on, you think I'm bad. On a Saturday, I believe Dan was in a bad mood because of the wind. (laughs) (laughs) We were sitting down on the dock, and he just seemed... And our buddy Darren and Lori were here and a few other people. And he just seemed sort of withdrawn. I kept saying, what's wrong? And then finally he said, it's this wind. I can't take it. It's bugging me. Wow. So the wind. <laughs> you know, so, like said uh, before, the yeah. wind can wreck a nice day. And Dan totally bought into that the other day. What's that, and I wasn't, I wasn't far behind him. Well, what was the. Uh, so how did that manifest itself, Dan? Is it became gloomy? Well, no, finally, I just because I I just had had enough, and then I kept going. You know, I involved myself with the social scene for like probably oh, we were down there what two hours, two two and a half hours, yes. and the wind was just constantly you know hitting your face, where especially where I was sitting because I was facing the wind, and it was just uh, uh, I just finally said, guys, I can't do this anymore. I I, I can't. I, I, I'm happy to move this up to my uh, my outer room, my little uh, you know lovely spot here because it's out of the wind. But I'm not I'm not I'm out right now. And then I, and I left, and then they joined me, so that was fine. They didn't seem it was a big deal. But Fred kept teasing me after that. Oh, he did. That doesn't sound that doesn't sound like him at all. How's this, how's, how's how's this wind? <laughs> he was he was saying like, okay, is it windy? Is it okay now? Yeah. <laughs> Came to me You're first on, thing the yeah. next day. Hey, just checking in on you, <laughs> making sure. That I said, I, I said, I told Melanie and the kids to stay out of your way. <laughs> yeah, don't go near Dan until the wind dies down. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying to think where I where was I golfing Saturday and was it windy? Yeah, the wind can definitely wreck a, a nice day on the golf course. It really can. Well, it can take the ball and push it. Places, oh, I know right? where I was. I was with uh, Rudra, who I'm waiting for. Right. I was with Rudra and Ravi. 
Rishi Maharaj on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was. It was crazy. It was crazy windy. And did you uh, adjust your game well then? Did, can, are you a kind of a golfer that can compensate for the wind? Uh, I've got some wind game. Yeah. I know how to play in the wind. Because where I, where I golf mostly, you know, on the uh, base of the escarpment there on Highway 25, it's uh, pretty windy. It's a pretty windy place to play generally. But I did take note that was one of the uh, windiest days we've had for a long time. So it was also windy where I was. Is that when you rip grass off the ground and then throw it in the air and and watch where the grass lands? <laughs> you know, you I, it's so funny you say that because no, I don't do that anymore. You just look for flags, right? You just because there's flags everywhere. But uh, it was so windy, you didn't you didn't need to throw up grass to determine the direction because it was like, oh, here he is. Here's Rudy. <laughs> All right, this is just a little pre-show. Uh, Rudra Rishi Maharaj is here. And, uh, yeah, I was out with him and his brother. And it was crazy windy. Rudy doesn't care, though. Rudy's, Rudy, <laughs> Ru- Rudy doesn't care. The wind doesn't bother Rudra's golf ball. Yeah, it's, it's trained where, very well. Um, yeah, I thought <laughs> we were right. on for tomorrow, Howard, but I heard you there. And you said, uh, you're waiting for me. So I thought, oh, well, I'll find a link and come back on. Hold on a second. I thought I, I had it written down for uh, Rudra at the start on Tuesday. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I listened to the show and uh, and heard you. Hold on a second. So, yeah, just turn your. Uh, you have to turn the Facebook yeah. down. Yeah. Well, it is Tuesday. Yeah. That, well, he thought it was Wednesday, but I said it was Tuesday. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. No problem. Uh, you know the advantages of listening to the show. Mm-hmm. That is a huge advantage. Um, are you going to turn your camera on? Or are you uh, currently? You yeah. see, so you have your hair in curlers, or what do you? <laughs> oh, it's just uh, well, it's not too bright behind me. So today, with the rain, so it's all right. So yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to remember what was I doing Saturday. Oh, I was hanging out with you and Ravi. Yeah, it was a good day. It was uh, you know a tad breezy, but uh, it was. A good <laughs> it was. Day to get out. That's right, and and we were remarking about how windy it was. But did you hear how depressed it made Dan? <laughs> I, I didn't quite get all of that, um, but uh, yeah, uh, sunshine and and warm weather and that wind just brings me down. Well, you know, Dan's girlfriend Lisa was here, and Dan's the type of guy where he like has this preposition of how he wants the day to unfold. Mm-hmm. And I think everything was fine except the wind. He thought we could be sitting on the stock, enjoying some beverages, sitting in the sun, enjoying each other's company, and everything is fine except for that wind. And it yeah. just picks at him and gnaws at him and bugs him and, <laughs> and annoys him. Aggravates him. Yeah. So to the point where he withdraws. Mm. Well, I can't imagine what Dad would have felt like on the golf course there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, the lake was like, the lake had foam lines on the lake. You could yeah. see foam. Mm-hmm. All, you know, lines up and down the lake. Mm-hmm. That's how windy. Yeah, yeah. What does that indicate? Foam what are foam lines? What is that? What does that <laughs> even like, mean? Well, the water's being churned up so much, it's right. creating foam on the top. And then there's a long line where the uh, the wind is blowing it down. All these long lines. Just, and to be fair, it was about the third straight day of it. Yeah. See, I, don't, I, I anyway, didn't really Ruth, know. I no, I didn't. Anyway, I don't. Why he's here. I don't think I know. I don't think. It wasn't windy like that three days in a row. It was really windy Saturday. Yeah, it um, was exceptionally windy. Yeah, it, it was to the point where it was, you know, it was impeding, you know, 
the golf ball to a not Rudra's, of course, because his only <laughs> Rudra's golf ball just does one thing. It goes up to the left and then falls to the right and it's on the fucking fairway. He hasn't missed a fairway since before he had his hips replaced. So we're talking like <laughs> seriously, a several years. And and then here's what you do when Rudra hits. All you do is go, you just get ready to say this. Oh, that's a good shot. Good shot, Rudra. <laughs> is he on the fairway again? Yeah, yeah, good. He's on the fairway again. You never have to find Rudra's ball. You just drive down the middle of the fairway and there's Rudra's mm-hmm. ball. That's a bit of yeah. It's, uh, it's well trained. Yes, it say. is. <laughs> Don't worry about where the ball's going or anything like that, uh, and keep the game simple. Yes, you do, uh, Dan. Uh, should we start the show, Roger? Let's start the show so that you're you're officially inside the body of the show, not this pre-show nonsense. Okay. Are you ready, Dan? I mean, I don't yeah, want to... I'm, I'm sure. I, I can be ready. So, uh, 10 minutes on the wind is we'll be uh, uh, outside of the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 what about you, the way you start? Ah, the Americans! We gotta fucking ease into a show, man. I told you there was a lull. So yeah, well, you don't fill a lull with a mass shooting. No, you fill a I lull do. with the wind. That's a, <laughs> that's a lull filler. You don't come strong with mass shootings, and yeah, I got I got something I found. You're gonna I got a, a comment I, about that. I I did a little research for you, Fred. You're gonna I think you'll find it amusing what they were doing on Fox during the mass shooting coverage. In the meeting, in the meantime, this meeting is being live streamed and around. This episode of Hubble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Hubble and Fred studios in Toronto and from the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake and is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Relaxacare, and DraftKings. And now here are two men who want to start a weather commission to officially and under oath have heated national discussions about the state of the weather. It's Humble and Fred. Uh, thank you, Dan Duran. Uh, our Gig Sky guest of the day, actually, today will be Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley are joining us. Uh, we had them scheduled, and now they're back. Uh, we had to uh, rebook them. And uh, the Gig Sky guest of the day is, uh, well, Gig Sky, of course. Or by, are you the vice president of Gig Sky Canada? Where where do I fall on the uh, org chart? Am I comptroller um, at this point? What <laughs> assistant to the vice president right. uh, and general manager of uh, Gig Sky Canada? That's right. Assistant to the regional manager, <laughs> Rudra Rishi Maharaj, is here, and his brother was in town. Is, is Ravi still in town? Uh, he's, yeah, he's here. He's probably on his way to the airport now or shortly. He's uh, leaving back, leaving to go back to California uh, this morning. And so I, it was always, uh, it's great to hang out with you guys. Ravi's, uh, he loves his golf and, uh, we never really talked gig sky. So, and you mentioned that there were some new things on the horizon that you wanted to pop in and just talk about them for a couple minutes. So here's that, here's that spot. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, we have just changed our plans for the eSIM phones. Uh, so we've, uh, increased uh, our service, increased our coverage, and drastically reduced our prices for for Europe, uh, Caribbean, you know, um, Africa. For those who want to go there, uh, it's for um, for eSIM enabled phones. So uh, you know, if you're planning to go to that, down to the Caribbean at any time this summer, there's better prices there now. Or plan to go to Europe, a lot better prices we have there now too. So give us some perspective. Yeah. Your prices were already so low and competitive. Well, it's like, like how they say, "How do you do it?" Volume. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, we've we've got uh, 
another a new network partner with whom we are, are using their services. Uh, so uh, we're, we've got that available right now on the eSIM, uh, and we're working on making that available on the plastic SIM, but that's going to take a little bit of time for us to do that, but uh, we are still working on that. So all the phones, uh, iPads, uh, you know, all those devices that use eSIM uh, all have access to the updated plans. Well, can you give us some perspective? Because I was actually going to say uh, something similar to Freddie that the, the prices were already pretty low. So if somebody... We're going to Europe, which I'll, I'll talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, my youngest is on her way to Europe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, what would uh, what what do these things cost for some people that have really no? Like Freddie said, it's low. But what is a what does a plan typically cost if you're going to go for a couple of weeks to a vacation? Well, um, you know, when you use your home provider. Uh, they have the room like home services and things like that, whatever it's, whether it's Bell, Rogers, whatever. And, um, you know, it's, it's very convenient. I have to say that, but it's not cheap. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the last time I looked at it, it was $7 a day per device uh, for, uh, I think it was a hundred meg of data usage. And whether you use that or not, you get charged the $7 and, uh, you know, you're there for 10 days that starts adding up. And if you have more than one device that adds up quite a bit. So right now, for example, in Europe, we can, you know, our plan for 15 days is of a gigabyte for 15 days is four ninety nine, and for five gigabytes for up to 30 days is uh, 30 or nineteen ninety nine. So that wow. is very cheap compared to you know what you would get from. And, and to be clear, provider. it's not four ninety nine a day. It's four ninety nine for the plan. Yeah, four ninety nine for the plan, yeah. and up to up to fifteen days or one gigabyte. And as I said, the uh, uh, the five gigabyte plan for up to thirty days is nineteen ninety nine. So you know at that rate. Just get the five gigabyte plan. If you're going for more than a week, get the five gigabyte plan and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about doing a top up. You don't have to worry about adding, running out of data. You know, it's, it's fairly cheap or it's quite cheap and, uh, you just, it's peace of mind. Also. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a no brainer, man, at yeah. those prices. Uh, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay. So that there's some new prices. There's a great plan. And uh, I'm actually dropping by uh, Rudra's office today. I'm going to pick up the uh, hotspot for uh, Spencer, who's on her way uh, for an entire month. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but Rudy, thank you very much. And uh, there's also travel rewards. I, I know we've mentioned right. that a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. How do people find out more about that? Yeah, so on the uh, GigSky app or on their account, you can go and look into the travel rewards program. And you can, you know, if you're, you don't necessarily have to get a hotel there. You can even look for things to do in the area and uh, get uh, plan your trip out in advance, book your events, whatever things you want to do. And uh, you can get a rental car. You can do a lot of things that way. And uh, then you'll get, um, you know, travel rewards points back also. Uh, so it's, it's very convenient that way to uh, book everything through the travel rewards program uh, if you want a hotel if you want a car if you want to uh, do events that's all available there all right man uh well listen dude always great playing uh with you guys uh gigsky.com for more details the uh, promo code i know is uh, hf 2022 it's not in front of me but i believe that's it isn't it yes that's all right. correct all right man all right rudra rishi right, maharaj rudra. thank you my yeah. brother Thanks. Always, Take care, guys. Always great spending time with you. Yeah. See ya. Take care. All right. You know, we should tell people about uh, about Bodog before we get the, any more show underway. 
Yeah, Bowdog. Uh... Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, we've been providing, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Again, go to Bodog, all the sports, any sport you can think of, you can wager on, uh, same-day sports, of course, single events, sports, all that stuff. It's there at Bodog. Uh, how long have your grandkids uh, been up there? Uh, since Thursday. Nice. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful time. Oh, it's been yeah, it's been it's been magical. Took uh, Johnny Slapshot golfing yesterday. We did nine. It was uh, great. Just you and him. Mm-hmm. That's so just, good, man. Yeah. How's he loving it? Well, he just he loves it, and he's really doing well. He really is. Isn't that something? It's, he hits the ball straight and up and away, and uh, yeah, he's just doing well. Has, he's, has he's he got ever, his golf ga- camp in a couple of weeks? Well, I, I is that have you played golf with him before? I know we've hit golf balls together, but have you actually played with him before? Has he played oh, yeah. before at, at this course a couple of times last year, and then uh, a couple of times this year already? Yep, isn't that something? Mm-hmm. And does he go with his dad too? Uh, yes, he's been with his dad a couple of times, and me. I told you that day we went out a few weeks ago, it was me and him and his uncle Dan and his dad, the four of us. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Fantastic. That is really something. You know, and uh, what is he, nine now? Yeah. He'll be ten in December. Yeah. Well... There's this period of time sort of between now and when he starts to get, you know, sort of muscly. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to be something, too, because like they're all sort of bendy now and mm-hmm. very flexible. And, uh, and then you sort of so that you sort of have speed and then you add strength. And at some time when he's like 14, 15, 16, he's going to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it will be one of the greatest gifts you can give him. The uh, not just the, the ability to play, but the. The idea of being around grown-ups. And, and that's where I was talking about that with a, a buddy of mine on the weekend in lives in London, Ontario for a couple of days. We're talking about what you learn by being around golf is you learn the world of grown-ups. Like when I was 11, I was 11, 12, 13. I worked at a golf course, cleaning clubs, learning. But I said what I learned was not just the game, but I learned what grown-ups were like to be around when you're a kid that are not your parents. Right. Yes. You know, it was sort of my first time to be away from mom and dad in a working environment. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a great gift. Yeah, I just love him to be in the, I love, I love him to be in all those environments. Mm-hmm. You know, like just even here being around the lake, jumping in a lake, going tubing, jumping off a rock here, like all that stuff. And then, you know, he's got a little basketball hoop here that he's throwing baskets all the time. And, yep, he's an active little guy, and uh, he loves it all. Well, that is great. Um, Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley are standing by. We're going to get to them in a few minutes' time. Uh, If you want to circle back... 
Uh, I hadn't heard about the mass shooting until I, I was in a tournament yesterday. Did not play great, but that happens. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's funny. You never know who you're going to get paired with. You know, and it's some like I, I'm in this circuit of guys that play at this level. And there's, you know, I know a lot of them, but you're not always paired with people, you know. And I got paired with them. Some really nice guys. I'm, I'm one of the guys I played with yesterday. It's about six foot two, 69 year old man. And this is okay. what I love about the game. So we're talking about a nine year old playing and a 69 year old playing. Mm hmm. And this 69-year-old, I, I, after we'd played for a couple hours, I said, Nick, what's, how old are you? Because he's a big, strong guy. And he says, I'm 69 years old. I go, damn. I said, that is so inspirational because he hit it, Fred, every bit as far as I did, sometimes further. And I was wow. thinking, Jesus, like this guy is still strong and still able to move a golf ball with speed. It was really something. But... Uh, um, the other guy that I was literally in the cart with, he was a bit of a character. And, you know, like, you know, one of those guys, it's like, again, you know, I, if it wasn't for golf, we wouldn't have much in common. And I wrote this down because one of the first things he said to me is, hey, how you doing? I said, great. I'm looking forward to it. He goes, yeah, I got to tell you, I, uh, I forgot my tooth. <laughs> I, he, had, uh, he had one of his teeth missing in this front. I guess he had a... I guess he has a thing. He had a partial. He had a partial? So he's... (laughs) No, that's how my day began with this guy. He goes, yeah, sorry, I forgot my tooth at home. I'm like, oh, great. And then it went downhill from there. Why? Well, because he was one of those guys that shot a really high score yesterday. Mm -hmm. And and it, it went bad early. And so he's one of those guys that literally every hole, it got worse and worse and worse. And every time he'd hit a bad shot, he would tell me about it. Oh. And I'm trying to play my own game and, and whatever. But it was just one of those guys that like narrates his golf game every shot for 18 holes. And what was this tournament? It was just a big invitational. I, I got invited to play in it. So there's a, you know, I go to all these tournaments. There's like a circuit of tournaments. But um, was this like an Ontario sanctioned? No, tour- no, this oh, is like okay. um like a. Like, in between all those tournaments, there are these tournaments. Okay. But yeah, it started with, I forgot my tooth and it went downhill. So I didn't so, get in the... Go ahead. No, why'd you have a bad day? Why did you have a bad day? Oh, I didn't day? play particularly it? well. I, uh, what, what did you shoot? I shot 81. Hmm. The day before I played a practice round on this golf course, I shot like 73. Oh. But, uh, hmm. you know, again, uh, you know, you play enough golf, you're, you're going to have some days like that. With Rudra and his brother, I shot even par. Anyway, I get in my car to drive home to Toronto after dinner, and that's the first I've heard of this mass shooting. So I'm listening to CNN and I'm listening to MSNBC and I'm sort of getting the sense of what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And then around seven o'clock, I thought, oh, I wonder what they're saying about this on Fox. And from seven to seven thirty, I listened to some guy, Jesse Waters show. Oh, that asshole. Yeah. Never mention it once. Now, how is that possible? I've noticed that, too. What they what they need to do. When these things happen, they pause and get their story together. They get their angle straight mm-hmm. and then present it so they're not always contradicting each other. Because when you t- when you take their position, it's easy to contradict each other. And uh, that's basically what they do. 
Uh, okay, I, I I understand what you're saying, but sort of articulate that more to me. Like, why, why for a half an hour were they? And then at, the only time they mentioned it was at seven thirty. They broke in for a news update. Yeah, well, I think they're formulating their position. How are we going to have a united front on this to make it sound? You know, okay, it's Chicago. That means a democratic city. Okay, we got that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the kid got the gun, but uh, where did he get the gun? You know, all those things. Oh yeah, because it doesn't these mass shootings because they are so pro gun. You know, really doesn't fit their narrative, so they got to get it straight. Really, I believe that's what they do. Well, I, that's as good an explanation as I could come up with. I, I was just listening to it, and in fact, at one point, I pulled over to go to the washroom, and I tweeted this guy. I said, "Hey, Jesse, great show. <laughs> Did you not know there was a fucking mass shooting today?" Hmm. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe it, I, and I couldn't turn it off because I thought, "Oh well, surely at some point they're going to break in here." Did you know, you know, they ended up showing the January 6th commission, you know, that first night, though, when they refused to show it? Yes. Did you know that night, too, they went commercial free so that people wouldn't switch over during commercials? Come on. I had forgot about that. Yes, they went two and a half hours commercial free with the intent so that anybody watching Fox during a commercial break wouldn't flip over to one of the other news outlets. And then ultimately they, you know, ultimately they, uh, they start showing it, I guess, for whatever reason they decided they should. <laughs> no, it's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, forgot we had uh, scheduled our guest a little bit early today because uh, mm-hmm. it's a very busy show. We're only doing a few shows a week in the summertime, so we're trying to... <laughs> We're trying to uh, squeeze a bunch of stuff in. Um, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway, if you can hear me and you want to uh, turn your cameras on, that would be great. I mean, there you go. I mean, look at us. <laughs> this is what you're competing with. Look, look. <laughs> oh, there's there Maureen. There we go. There there's are. Maureen. Here. Hi. Hi. Well, hey, well, morning, well. fellas. It's my hey, old lady. Friend. Hey. How are you doing? This is very early for me. I don't know how you do this. There's a reason I never did a morning show, but yeah. Maureen did, so she can talk. Yeah, but I got out of the habit. Of <laughs> this isn't even early. No, this I is know. Like eight o'clock. Like this, this all. You're halfway done. You know, it's yeah, funny. But the nationals on at ten or a nine or eleven. Oh, this is really early. Maureen, yeah, well, yeah, oh yeah, it didn't take long to mention that, Wendy. <laughs> is that like a drinking game with you guys? When is Wendy going to mention the national? Um, it's so funny mm. that Ma- Maureen and I, of course, uh, have known each other for a long time and did morning radio for a long time, and that is one of the first things that people always say. Is no, Maureen, I don't know how you guys how do, do, you do it. How do you yeah. get up? Yeah, but you know what I'm. When I, when I like it, it, it sometimes at night when I'm watching the you know the sports uh, cast like at ten eleven I think that must be shit that must be lousy to be in a TV studio at ten and eleven o'clock at night yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it's a privilege really I never complained if I didn't like it mm-hmm. and yeah. I always slept in two shifts I would go to bed like a human at you know say ten thirty and get up at three thirty and go to work and then I'd mm-hmm. come home jammies. Blackout curtains and three hours of solid sleep, like wow. the best sleep, because you know you don't have to get up. No, so exactly. I did it in two shifts for years, and I never had a problem. So I think I did it all wrong then, because it sounds like you were able to have a life, whereas my life was, you know, it was. Yeah. Isn't life work? 
You just go to work no, I know. and you, you, you just but, work but, but, all I, the time. I, I, but Wendy, I know what Fred's getting at because the three of us spent many years getting up at 3.30 in the morning. and then, But basically by 10, 11 in the morning, we're done. Whereas yeah. your job for all those years was you have a day uh, which involved work and then you go to work at night. So when did you have your sort of regular daytime? Well, you didn't. And when, uh, yeah, it was when I finally left the National and I started working for other shows and I thought I can actually buy a ticket to a show hmm. and be there. But it used to, there was this thing called overtime. So I, <laughs> I used to, used to get paid overtime. That was the big bucks in, uh, at, at CBC. That was, you know, until you became an anchor or something, you, uh, you got paid in overtime and it was, it was exciting. And then you realized that you were 45 and it was like, time to be <laughs> sorry. <person>. Yeah. <laughs> a lot know, of overtime think, though. Yeah. <laughs> overtime in radio really doesn't exist. Hasn't for a long, long time. Yeah. Can you imagine asking for overtime in radio? <laughs> Um, why don't we? Have, hey, I've got a great idea. Why don't we officially welcome to our program two uh, very fine broadcasters who have come together uh, to produce their own podcast. Uh, it is called Women of Ill Repute, and our guest today, uh, longtime uh, broadcasters Wendy Mesley, Maureen Holloway. And I, gee, I wonder what we're going to talk about. I have no idea where this. <laughs> I wonder where this conversation will go. Um, I don't. Let's get right to it because this is going to take up a, a good portion. I want to talk about the podcast and how that came to be, and we'll get to that. But you both have very interesting stories. Of course, Maureen has been, I would say, a bit more uh, in the news lately because of uh, a situation of. Um, Epic HR proportions, but Wendy also has a story of a similar nature. So I don't even know, Freddie, where we should start, but let's, if we can, Maureen, first of all, great to see you again. I can't even. So good to see you guys. I can't even remember when we worked together, but I do remember laughing a lot. And uh, Wendy, thanks for uh, being on the program. I don't know what Maureen has told you about us, but we're harmless old men now. And, uh, and uh, you know, if it was ever... words exactly. <laughs> right. if, there was ever, if there was ever a prickly period of... Uh, but that's all past now as we got all mm-hmm. soft and old and we can't remember why we're doing this. But... Yeah, nobody, nobody was ever paid humble and Fred money. Let's put it that <laughs> That's right. Uh... <laughs> So let's begin with, uh, if we can, just quickly get to, uh, we talked a lot about Maureen Holloway on this program a few weeks ago. And Maureen, you were very kind to send a a nice note and and, uh, telling us you thought we did a good job handling the situation. But let's just, if we can, let's get right to it and and see, uh, our audience knows exactly what we're talking about. So how has life been the last few weeks? And has there been any fallout? And, and where does it stand? And, and we talked to Jackie Delaney last week, and she was contacted. Have you been as well? Yeah, 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 I was. And, and I this all came together in the weirdest time of my life because Wendy and I were about to launch this podcast, and we, were, we had just started doing publicity. Aiden, my eldest, got married May 27th, three years postponed, big wedding. Right. And then this story, uh, uh, Jan- Jennifer Valentine posted her video uh, basically hanging uh, John Derringer out to dry. And I was immediately approached, what are you going to say? Because I was with him for 15 years. And I said the only thing I could say, which was this is brave and true. And I backed Jennifer up 100%. And, you know, the next thing you know, the, the, the phones are ringing. It's... Uh, it's um, uh, investigative reporter for the star Donovan. Kevin Donovan, yeah. Thank you, that guy. 
uh, CBC, uh, this time not for Wendy, but for me. Um, and uh, it, it, Liz Braun from The Sun, all sorts of people wanted to jump on this story because it was a big one. And so I found myself doing publicity three days before my son's wedding for this, for what to me was an old story. Mm-hmm. Right? This was not breaking news. And yes, I think I can say that I have been approached by their third party uh, uh, lawyer who's doing the investigation into these allegations of longtime abuse going back to Jackie Delaney and before that. Colleen Rush home way before that, yeah. Uh, Andrea Ruse, and there are a number of people who haven't come forward, and understandably, mostly because they still work for Chorus, who have been uh, at the, uh, the the butt end of, of uh, John's um, anger. Mm. Anyway, uh, I did not have anything further to add than what I'd already told the company when I left, or when this first happened to me, and there's a file that the lawyer should have access to, and it's it's referred to as uh, contemporaneous evidence, evidence that was given at the time. So I basically told them, hey, if you want me to corroborate anything that you find, I'll be happy to. But I have no new information. Mm-hmm. And so as to the best of my understanding, the investigation is ongoing. Um, the parties are suspended, I would imagine, with pay. And uh, we'll see what happens. Um, when you talk about that anger... Have you really uh, described, like, actual incidents? Have I like, described them to... to generally. Um, yeah. Give us an idea of, what uh, you know, one of those blow-ups. What uh, would happen? Well, they were always uh, out of the blue. They were... You would know if, if John was in a bad mood and you'd be really quiet and keep your head down. Um, knowing that he was looking for something to blow up at. Uh, more often than not, it wasn't me. More often than not, it was someone who was mm-hmm. um, weaker, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who wasn't going to fight back. Uh, but a couple of times it was me, and he would fly into this spittle-flecked rage um, and berate the subject of his anger until... You were reduced to tears, men and women. And then it would go away. And sometimes he'd say he was sore. And sometimes he wouldn't. So when you guys report, or when you reported that to management, they were well aware of it. Yeah. There's just so many aspects of this. Number one, a woman, a person going home at night with that hanging over their head, being upset. I keep thinking of performance. Were they not thinking, these people can't be performing to the, to the best oh, of their... Did. I would I would turn on the mic, you know, wipe the tears away and get on with it because that's that's showbiz, baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's yep. what you do. But um, it had to be hard because oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. It, in, a, in, a, in a free and easy creative environment, you know, you just have the that buoyancy and you're ready to go and you're bouncing and to have that. Yeah, it's got to be horrible. And, and, well, don't forget, I worked from home for like, no. This, I was going to say I've, set up for, for a long time for quite a while. You were working remotely, yeah. um, and I, I had this conversation with Colleen, who I worked very closely with. Uh, she'd worked with me at Boom, and I was in the same building with her a long time, and we were friendly. And I said to her, "I'll ask the same question of you because I I know that your husband's name is John, right? Right. And Keeps uh, it easy, you know, yeah, exactly. Everyone should be mm-hmm. named John. <laughs> and uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked her." 
Except in, in her case, it was I, I wondered what her father thought of what she was yeah. going through at the time, being mm-hmm. called all kinds of things. What did you uh, in your relationship when you come home, you know, after the show and say to John, like, hey, Derringer just blew up at me again, um, spit in my oh, face. Yeah, that's a really good question. We've, we've been doing a lot of interviews. Nobody ever mm-hmm. asked me about that. Um, well, to be honest with you, Howard, he held my hand. He he deferred to whatever I wanted to do. But a couple of times I actually went in to work to talk to senior management. And he literally came in with me and held my hand, mm-hmm. which wow. is all he could do. Right. I mean, he's he's not going to get in there. He's not going to punch him in the nose. Well, that's why mm-hmm. I kind of I, I thought of this because Colleen's father, who I also know, I said to Colleen when I was talking to her recently, when all this came up, I said, what did what did your dad think of all this? Because yeah. at the time uh, she was the same age as my youngest daughter now. And I know I couldn't have, you know, if I if, if Spencer, my youngest, came back and said some man called her the C word and spit in her face, you know, they would have to pull me off him. So yeah. I can imagine John might have been feeling uh, he wanted to bop him one as well, you know? Yeah, well, that, that, he did. That, that's the way you feel, because my daughter went through it. She, working in a media, a media outlet in, in Toronto, and that's she would tell me these stories. Again, I wanted to go down onto Queen Street and confront the guy walking out. I just did. And, of course, it's, Dad, you can't do that. You can't do that. Because obviously worried for her, mm-hmm. her future. But it, and the point being, it affects so much more than the actual person, because you take it home with you. You do. I, it's, I'm kind of intrigued in the uh, the paternal or the sort of the sh- chivalrous mm-hmm. attitude that you guys are displaying, and it's it's really it's heartening and it's understandable. But really, at the end of the day, it's it, if you're being victimized, you have to stand up for yourself. Sure. No, I understand. Um, and it's interesting too. So you worked out of home, so you really didn't uh, get it sort of firsthand the way that uh, Ryan Parker and Johnny yeah. Garbutt did. Yeah, that's a different experience too because they were. Uh, Ryan got a pass. Ryan was never uh, uh, targeted. Garbutt mm-hmm. all the time, and it was he. He was so awful to John Garbutt. Uh, mm-hmm. And he never seemed to, I mean, Ryan was always with him and his acolyte, but he never targeted Ryan. Um, those guys, I mean, they were such victims in different ways. And I know they didn't stand up for me when there was an HR investigation. And at the end of the day, I don't blame them. Um, mm-hmm. I would have stood up for me <laughs> if I had been in their position. But uh, often... Mm-hmm. Enablers are victims themselves, well, yeah, right? I'm, and 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 I want to get to Wendy's story in a second, but just before yeah, sorry, we do, Wendy, no, no, but just no, but just before we like do, it, it, it's a wild story. Yeah, as explain well. that. Mm. Explain what you just said that they didn't stand up for you in an HR investigation because I don't know what that reference is. Okay, so um, I, I had two complaints. One didn't make it to HR. One was dealt with. Um, you know what you're jo- jokingly called Derringer pay is uh, yeah they just sweetened my 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 pot and uh, and there I was all of a sudden being paid considerably more I mean and a few people have said to me oh how could you do that <laughs> well how could you not well how could you not hey, if I'd have known that's how you did it at chorus I would have said hey John can you yell and spit at me a little bit please. <laughs> Could you get on me to see word? It didn't work with other people. I mean, I also deserve the money. I mm-hmm. was an important part of that show. Sure, you were. Um, but the second time, 
it was it and the fact that there was a second time uh propelled me through the proper channels mm-hmm. except it kept it was kicked up and kicked up until I was dealing with the head of HR at the time um and uh and who was that Hal Hal did the investigation yeah we yeah. we worked for Hal for a long time yeah, yeah. because that, that's another aspect of this I mean your name John Derringer's named uh you know Johnny Garbett uh Brian Parker all the sort of frontline people but you know that whole middle uh, level of people too that sort of are running yeah. for cover right now yeah. they should be named too so well i've uh um when i was on toronto mike your producer he mm. asked me well can you name names and i said it's a matter of public record mm-hmm. you want to see what the chain of command was while i was there uh i mean if, and i was there a long time so the the they did change but you know it's not naming names it's there if you want to find out who the program director was who the general manager was there, that's all available. I'm a little uncomfortable naming names in well, this context. Well, it's, it's okay, Maureen, because we already did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we, we've mentioned them several times because we right. are, because Fred and I worked for them. Well, of okay. course. Of course. Well, and, he, and again, I don't know how much this matters, but I heard you uh, being interviewed saying they suggested you come work in the studio after all those years. Yes. Okay, I was talking to Dave Farrow, who was phone me squirming one day i bet and he he maintains that you asked and he warned you he he told me that you know maureen wanted to come into the studio and i asked her many times are you sure you're ready for this are you sure you're prepared for this that's what he told me again i don't know how much that matters but again i can tell by looking at maureen's face apparently that's (laughs) that's news to her that whole middle level running wow. for cover and trying to wow. make out like they were on your side and oh not. well that speaks for itself doesn't yeah. it Does why that? would i want yeah. to why would i want to do why would anybody want to walk in and give up and i also they asked me to give up all the other hits i was doing across the country mm-hmm. that was my safety that was my comfort that i had other people that i was working with like terry DeMonte and bro jake in vancouver and all these big talented egos that i could talk to every morning and they didn't scream at me and it helped me right. get mm-hmm. through why would i give that up why would i give that up? well here's a little fun just before we talk about wendy's story fred do your dave Farrow voice for maureen she'll love this now we asked her many times <laughs> do, do you want to come in maureen. are you sure you know what you're doing maureen oh my god when he I wish you could make a living at that. Dude, we, we, worked, we worked for Dave for about four months in between uh, stations, and that was the beginning of every meeting. So, boys, how was the broadcast today? We're like, Shh, I don't know. It was, we can't remember. It was an hour ago. Um, for 40 years, Wendy Mesley worked at CBC. We all know Wendy. We've all watched Wendy on television. And I'm not, I'm not 100% sure this isn't. Is this the first time you've ever been on our program? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Well, look yeah, at no, it. I'm a CBC girl. I grew up listening to CBC radio. I worked briefly for uh, for CTV. I worked at CKFM Virgin Radio very wow. briefly in radio where uh, Maureen and I both were at different times. She was after me because she's just so much younger. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, then uh, a few hundred years, it's at uh, at CBC until I started doing this podcast. Well, we have that well, in common as well. Happened. Wendy, we have that in common as well because I worked at CKFM briefly. In fact, I was the first person in Toronto to say Mix 99.9 when we changed formats. In fact, I think that's when we actually worked together briefly, Maureen. Oh. Yes, absolutely. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, no, I was there. I was yeah, we were there. Um, 
And, and Wendy, when when, I, when when we were doing research, meaning that somebody sent us this note, like when we when you guys were going to do the show together, I don't want to talk. We're going to carve out some time for the podcast, but I, we became aware of this story that we'd like it if you wouldn't mind sharing with our audience. That was a, a, a big surprise, at least to me, Fred. Uh, that that's how you ended up leaving CBC, and it's it's. It's a different story than Maureen's telling about the HR nightmare. But you also went through your own, I guess, a, an HR situation that sort of got out of hand and is <laughs> symbolic of people's oversensitivity. Would you mind sharing that? Well, it was so interesting listening to Maureen talking about how she would have fought for uh, her colleagues being, you know, beaten up verbally by by somebody because I, I, yeah, and I appreciate you saying, because I didn't, uh, and I appreciate you saying that um, you were surprised to hear that I was being called a racist by some people yeah. uh, because I had, I think that I spent my life and I have certainly seen my life as someone who fights for the underdog. I've always, it sounds ridiculous for, you know, a 60 something white woman to say that she feels like an underdog, but I've always identified with underdogs. I've always fought for that. I've always talked about corruption. I've always talked about uh, wage gaps. I've always talked about different issues. So anyway, I, we had done a couple of stories on the show, the weekly, which was the last, place that I was at, at CBC after being in the Quebec legislature and being on Parliament Hill and anchoring the national uh, sort of back up to Peter and doing weekends and, and whatever. over And my favorite show, Undercurrents, and I did Marketplace, whatever. So I've been there forever. And the last show was the weekly. And we, we did a couple of shows uh, that I thought were anti-racism. So one was about Bill 21 in Quebec which is a very long story. But in one meeting, I talked about how there's a long history of people in Quebec who sort of see themselves as the most hard done by. So how could anybody else be? And what's a Muslim anyway? I've never met one. So we were sort of talking about about the history of Quebec. And I mentioned a book that's now, again, in the news with the, the title um, it's it's in French, but the word the, the white ends of America is in there, and so I mentioned that along with right. a whole bunch of other crazy things that I thought were a little bit bigoted in Quebec. And then we did another show, uh, and nothing really happened after that. And then a year later, we did another show, and it was right after the death or the murder of George Floyd, and we were doing something about journalism in, in Canada, and we were interviewing. Uh, a number of journalists, including a panelist, a black panelist. Well, they're all uh, black, but there was this one uh, young woman who was saying that she all the time is still called the N-word. And I was, I was this is on the phone. This is not on the air. This is on the phone because it was during COVID and uh, uh, it was me and three producers. And um, anyway, I was just so outraged. This, this woman could be called that so often was obviously upset by it. Um, I said the word and I shouldn't have said the word. I should have known better. I should have known that it could hurt people, uh, that it wasn't allowed at, at CBC, um, which actually wasn't terribly clear at the time. Um, but anyway, instead of saying, look, I, I apologize right away. I apologize publicly. But the CBC turned it into this huge thing uh, where I... Uh, like they didn't call me a racist. They they said that there had been an incident that they were investigating, um, and then that and there was this whole because of the union and because of CBC's HR policies, everything had to be top secret and you couldn't talk. So I either had to like quit and sue them, 
which apparently you can't sue after you've apologized because you've done something wrong. And I, of course, I was going to apologize. I've never been like Maureen. I've always been somebody who's like, this is wrong. I'm going to try and fix it. But of course, I made things worse for myself. So it, it kind of spiraled into this huge thing where uh, black journalists were mad at me. Uh, black people, people of color at CBC were mad at me because they had never worked with me. They didn't know about me. All of these promises had been made to them over the years about change was coming and change was not coming. And if you look at CBC, I mean, I think it was two weeks earlier, the CBC had been accused at the CRTC of uh, systemic racism. Mm-hmm. You looked at management, upper management. They were all like 60-year-old white guys and girls. And uh, they just had not dealt with the issue. And then all of a sudden, I had said the word, I apologize for it. So I had to be the bad person. And it was it was horrible. You, know, you became the face of racism in the CBC. But I, I just want to just say we can jump back into the call. So you're on an internal call. You're referencing somebody who was called that. Yeah. And to be clear. You said she was called that. Yeah. So, if so, I, I just, so what was that sentence? Yeah. Like? yeah can you give it? That's yeah. what I want to get to. What is the context yeah. of the sentence yeah. and where you said? And, and to be clear, you said the full word. I she never used. And that that was my error. It's like the C word that you just don't use. And I know that you don't use the C word, even though my husband is Irish and he uses. It yeah, I was going to say, it depends on what continent no you're on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, she used the N word. Like we all knew, we all know what the N word means. And right. She, that was anyway. And I, in a you know, in the third reference in the conversation, and they were wanting to talk about how mm. let's get more representation on the air. And I was saying, yeah, but can we? She tweeted this journalist had tweeted. She was supposed to be on our panel, and she wasn't on the panel in the end because of what happened. I suppose it became too controversial. So I still, you know, I still haven't said who that person is um, because I don't want to hurt her and because it wasn't really about her. But anyway, it was during the conversation. I just said, yeah, but can we talk about how she tweeted that she was called? And in the third time, I said she was called that. And you said the word. And I said I said the whole word and I shouldn't have. And I apologize. I apologize publicly. I I apologized in the moment. I apologized afterwards. Mm. But it became the CBC turned it into this. Huge investigative thing, which you so know, who at rep- first I was. Who on that rep- call reported you saying it? One of the producers. I don't know. But but I, the reason I asked that, and I think Fred's going to get to it too, is in the context of that conversation. Anyone listening in, and now that you've explained it, how they could misconstrue your saying the word as a reference to somebody else having said it, how that was construed as now Wendy Mesley is a racist for saying it. Well, there were, there was a show that had five people working on it. Everybody who worked on the show uh, or everybody who was involved in that element, they all said to me, Wendy, we know you're a good person. We know you're fighting for the important things that matter here and this will blow over and we stand behind you and we know where your heart Mm -hmm. is and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it was right after the the murder of George Floyd and everybody was just like, it's time. We've got, you know, it's time. And I know that if I were a young black person trying to break through in journalism or trying to make a difference, that I would have believed what my colleagues were telling me that that I was a that that, you know, that this person is a racist and we need to fight. And mm-hmm. so I, I didn't I didn't stand up because I would have had to have quit uh, I would have had to have hired mm-hmm. a lawyer and sued CBC, and I just didn't want to do that. And I also believed that 
you know, I'm prepared to be punished. I'm prepared to be made an example of. But then can we can we acknowledge that the last 40 years I've actually been. Yeah, it's it's certainly not your legacy. But but, you know, it's terribly unfair because, again, that word context to me, that deserved like an explanation. You weren't using that with any malice or anything. It was just the conversation as it was. Yeah, that word slipped out, but you were actually showing sympathy for the person. Like, it's just the whole thing is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, well, we, there's we, a lot of... there's a, that, yeah. That's the point we've gotten to now. You mentioned yeah. that book, White Ends of America. That's That book's been around for a couple of decades, right? At least. Uh, more, yeah. It, well, more. It, and it came out and it was, a, I think it was a, a communist. He was a Pierre Valliere. It was right. a big... Uh, but, yeah, it came out in but the when 60s. That, when that book first came out on the radio, on television, they would use the whole title when referencing that book. Yeah, I remember. I remember that, no, and I, I remember in te- in context the N word being used. Not that it was right, but it just shows the evolution where we've gotten to now. Where your situation, it's just like really overboard. Like that, that needed a, a simple explanation to sacrifice somebody's forty year career over that is maddening to me. Yeah. Well, the argument now is that context doesn't matter. No, it doesn't, um, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think there is a huge difference between calling somebody an N-word and, yes. and being outraged that somebody was called the N-word. Yeah. I, I do uh, think there's a huge difference. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> there, so, and, and again, you know, we could do hours with this, but this, you know, we don't have the... I just want to say, to just to sort of button it up a little bit, so how did... What happened to you in the end? Uh, you didn't sue them. They fired you or they packaged you out. Well, it went on for about a year because it, it turned it, it started as a, this will be over in two days, Wendy. Don't worry, mm-hmm. you know, or not. Don't worry. The, like, this is a big deal. We're going to deal with it, but we'll have a decision in a couple of days and then we'll move on from there. And then uh, then it came out what had happened back in Montreal two years earlier. And that was, again, used as an example. Well, right. She must be a racist because she mentioned yeah. that book and because. <laughs> Yeah, and because she has used the word, and there were it was never I would never use that word on the air. It was always in you know in discussions with other young journalists, uh, but young journalists never use that word. And I should have known that. I should have anyway. So I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it went. It, it first couple of weeks it was like oh my god, oh my god, what has happened? And then it became larger. And then I had to go for sensitivity training. Jesus. And uh, yeah, Jeez. and then who was a very nice guy. And as soon as I told my story, he was like, well, you're an underdog like what the hell like <laughs> i don't get this like you're so, not you're not the white fancy lady that we thought you were mm-hmm. uh who likes to intimidate you like this is ridiculous and so then that went on and then and then they offered me some job to come back and i said okay well i i would love to come back i would love to because i i love cbc and had so many wonderful opportunities there uh and i said okay so if i come back to do this thing and COVID is still on and everyone's still working from home and so on um what will you say if if because they then changed the rules so that any CBC person uh, could go on Twitter and say she's a, a freaking pig. Um, and then they and I said, so what what happens? I come back and uh, people some people are mad at me and they go on Twitter and they say she's a freaking pig. What are you going to? And they said, oh, well, we'll say that wasn't very nice. You probably shouldn't do it again. And I'm like, really? That's all you're going to say? And you're, there's like nothing. There will be no support ever of me. And then we entered another period and then my mother died and then I got sick and then whatever. And then finally, I just went to them and said, you hate me. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break up. 
So, yeah, let's yeah. break up. And so they said, well, sign here that you'll never say a word about anything that ever happened. And then we'll give you some money. And I said, no, that's ridiculous. So I just uh, I just left. Well, really? that brings us. Yeah, I was going to say, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you didn't take the money. But again, no room for benefit of the doubt or no room for compassion given the 40 years. It's just unbelievable. It really is. It's a crazy story. Well, and as I was saying at the beginning, like Maureen saying that, you know, stand up for yourself. Well, I never mm. stood up for myself. I never, because I wasn't prepared to leave CBC and because I knew that, you know, the, the, the classic way of standing up for yourself is to trash the people who are hurting you. And I didn't want to do that. Right, it just didn't right. feel right. Well, except so, the CBC. I was happy to uh, hurt them a little bit in the end. Uh, so now I was going to say this brings us full circle. And by the way, in case I haven't mentioned it, I mentioned it earlier that Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway are our Gig Sky guests of the day. We've already talked about the uh, wonder that is Gig Sky. And Freddie, before we wrap things up and talk about the evolution of what Wendy and Maureen are doing, let's just quickly pause if we can. And uh, this will be a little podcast lesson for you kids. Uh, let's pause now and uh, let's talk a little bit about these fine folks, Freddie. The, yeah. the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca today. You can get a free quote, find out how your small business can be part of this fantastic plan, which will give your people benefits like uh, prescriptions, dental plans, travel insurance, uh, mental health therapy. Very important nowadays, obviously. And uh, even an HR component. Yes, an HR component, Maureen. Uh, <laughs> Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. It's on Ontario DraftKings Sportsbook. One of America's top-rated sportsbook apps has arrived. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports, from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. Bet parlays, spreads, money lines, and do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get it now. Uh, go to the App Store and download the sports book that is offering two-to-one odds on uh, all kinds of uh, different... Uh, there's hockey. There's football. Well, actually, there'll be football soon. There's uh, all, all the sports you're looking for. Physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. Uh, so, um, yeah, that'll answer the question. How do you guys make money? Um, you, you got know, some? We've been doing a podcast, Wendy. You wouldn't know this. Uh, maybe Maureen is vaguely aware for about 11 years, which in podcast terms is like we're the Wright brothers. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Uh, there's room for all. The great thing about podcasting, and I, and I want to get into how you guys came together, but what you'll find is unlike where you were at CBC and where Maureen and we're more familiar with that kind of, you know, radio, you know, how that works in, in the public uh, or private radio. But podcasting is the Wild West um, in terms of content, in terms of, you know, formatics, Maureen, there are no formats. So what brought you two together? Uh, did you know each other prior or mm -hmm. and, and, then, oh, yeah. and you both found yourself kind of out of work and let's do something? Kind of. We've been friends for about five years. John Moore brought us together um, and uh, uh, an old friend of mine and a not so old friend of, of Wendy's. And we have so much in common. It's ridiculous. Um, and and, you know, and also dear friends and just listening to Wendy recount what happened to her at CBC. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times I hear it. 
I just, my heart just breaks for her every time. And um, so anyway, we had, that's what we had going for each other. A lot of pity on my part. uh, (laughs) Misery loves company. (laughs) No, we got, we got on famously and, and uh, it was last Christmas John and I were coming through and stopped off to visit Wendy and Liam at their, you know, fabulous place in Prince Edward County. And Wendy said, I have an idea. And this this was the full blown idea of a, a podcast called Women of Ill Repute, where we talk to women who have a story. You know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it a little more uh, in a more complex fashion. But basically, women who were maybe there was a bit of that feeling that women like us who've been turfed out or or had something thrown at them and we're just going to turn around and make the best pitcher of lemonade out of all these lemons that anybody's ever heard of and we we were so naive we were like yeah we'll put on a show (laughs) how hard can it be and the learning curve as you know i mean you guys have been at it for 11 years but just how to do a podcast how to build a website, how to get listeners, how to edit. We didn't know how to do any of this. And and, and so we learned. We still yeah, haven't learned thought- we haven't learned how to make money at it yet. But everything else seems to be falling into place. Yeah, we're looking for tips on how to make any money because so far we're just spending money. Maureen and I, do, <laughs> like, we read all the books and we uh, we do all the research and we... The chasing. And we chase people and we don't, like, women of ill repute, I basically think it's a compliment. The most interesting people in the world are women or men or something in between or, or something completely different of ill repute. They're all people who have sort of refused to accept this is your role, you sh- shall stay in this lane. They're people who have fought for something. So I think, is it smart talk with brave women or brave women and smart whatever? Both. Both. It's, it's smart, smart and brave women and we talk. And uh, so... Yeah, at the beginning, I thought, oh, this will be easy. We'll just call up Cher, and Cheryl will want to be on the show. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I'm not, you should have seen her list, which was adorable. I bet. Okay? <laughs> Mother Teresa, Princess Diana, Cher, All the dead Dolly people. Parton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still hoping to get Dolly Parton. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's there's got to be there, there's gotta be stuff there. And, and basically, it is... It is a compliment, and we're not interviewing somebody that uh, has accomplished things that we don't admire. So they're all people that we admire to varying mm-hmm. degrees. Like we had a couple of fights. Like I had a fight with Mary Walsh, where she basically schooled me. Where I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, why do all of these strong women put up with like asshole men? Right. And she was like, "Well, Wendy is a little bit more complicated." And I'm like, "Yeah, but tell me why. You know, tell me about the complications." She was like, "How dare you ask that question?" So we're still mm-hmm. we're still getting schooled by but a that's lot great. of. Yeah. I, I get that part where Mary's like Wendy. And then, <laughs> she, that's great. That's fantastic to listen to. I mean, a couple of the the people that we talked to, we've we've got ten episodes in the can, uh, four of which are out there. Uh, but a couple of them, and I'm not going to name names in this case because you can listen to find out. Were so prickly. <laughs> they were like they were nasty <laughs> or they were mean. But, really. I mean, they were in, but they were entertaining. Fantastic. Um, mean because of your line of questioning? Well, I don't even think they're mean. Or- Oh. Maureen is used to everybody being nice and funny, yeah. and I'm used to everybody hating me and chasing them. <laughs> come on, come on. So um, it's actually a good combo that way. So mm-hmm. it's uh, give us some ideas formatically. It's an hour. It's 90 minutes. It's 45. It's as long as you want to go. 
It's 30 to 45. Fantastic. It's about right. Some people go further. Yeah. Um, but usually we do where we want to get and get to and, and around that. And period. it's available wherever anyone can get a podcast, Spotify, all those avenues. And, and, and it's interesting to hear you talk about because like, we were naive as well. I, I remember having a conversation with somebody like a couple of months before we launched our podcast. I was talking about how many sponsors do you think we'll have? Because I was thinking, oh, as soon as we say we're humble and Fred, people will just start throwing money. And he said, I said, do you think we'll start with a couple? He says, I doubt it. I said, really? You know, thinking that we'd have some kind of brand equity. And it took a while to build it. I will say this, though, Mo, because we've all worked in the private industry. It's not... I would say this is our phrase. It's not humble and Fred money from radio, but it's the funnest money we've ever made because right. because he and I own it all. We have uh, our own insurance. We have staff. We it's it's just and it's been us. It's been that way for eleven years, and I will tell you, it's the most satisfying broadcast experience that I've ever had. And I know he feels the same. No, absolutely. And Wendy, just so you know, you have to spend money to make money. We learned that at the beginning as well. That's all part of it. Yep. And a quick story about Chorus. When we first launched, we were served <laughs> papers <right>. yeah. <laughs> by, Cor- by Chorus Entertainment through Dave Farrell that we were to not use Humble and Fred because yeah. they owned it. Oh, yeah. That's not a word of a lie. That cost us almost $4,000 out of the gate. So <laughs> We had to yeah. give them four grand for the right to use Humble and Fred Humble and because Fred. we found out after not being in chorus employee for many years that they owned the uh, they said they owned the brand. But you know what was funny about that as well? When we went to Standard to work with Gary Slate, they had no problem with us using Humble and Fred. They yeah. didn't want it to, they didn't want that fight, but the two little guys in the podcast studio in Etobicoke, they came after us for uh <laughs> so, yeah, it cost us almost four grand. Yeah, so yeah. Wendy and Maureen, that's the moral of that story. Don't call yourself <laughs> don't call yourself Humble and Fred. <laughs> Um, what a pleasure. I, I hope this won't be the last time you guys would hang with us. And we're, we, we'd love to promote your show. And I uh, can't wait to listen to it. It's available everywhere. Do you guys have a, a site as well? Yes. Uh, women yes. Of Ill- women, womenofillrepute.com. And everything you, to, excuse me, everything you need to know is right there. It's our, our online home. All right. Well, I, you know what? It's been too long, Marie. My best to you. Congratu- my best to you guys. Uh, congratulations on. You. Yeah, Wendy, thank you very much. Congratulations thank on the, uh, the wedding. Wendy, congratulations mm-hmm. on being just a lovely human being you. you know because Fred and I are so woke now we don't even see gender we just see people no yeah, yeah. Uh, all the best <laughs> women of ill repute everybody look at that just let yourselves out and uh, we're gonna move on thank you very much Maureen and Wendy thank take you. care hey guys wow imagine that having Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway at the same time it's almost too much <laughs> I'd say yeah there you go thanks Wendy what a badge of honor. Uh, all right, Freddie. Uh, we've got a lot more people still to go here. Dylan Gray, our friend uh, Pete Cunio's kid, is uh, standing by. Uh, do you want to just uh, catch us up a little bit and uh, throw something else at me here? Well, the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim, licensed on both sides of the border. Uh, he talked about that last week. Um you know, it's such a crazy time now. You might be sitting there going, listen, yeah, my portfolio, it's been dropping in value. Is it the markets? Is it 
Uh, is it the world or is it the guy that's handling it? Well, you know what? Tim will have a second look. He'll have a look and he'll tell you exactly where you sit with your portfolio. No obligation. Listen, uh, yeah, he'll have a look and he'll tell you whether you're on the right track or you're not. And you take it from there. He's the Retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, RetirementSherpa.ca. You know, it's been some time since uh, Fred and I have uh, mentioned the success that we've experienced on the Noom Diet. It's, as you know, a psychology-based program. And, uh, you know, it really has been, uh, I I don't want to say a game changer for me. What it's done for me personally is that it's given me some insights into how food affects me in terms of my weight gain or loss. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've been able to sort of track, and I'm a bit obsessive, so it works perfectly for me, but I've not only tracked my weight every day since the 3rd of January, now six months, but keeping track of the food I eat and the amount of energy I expend. And what I mean by that is on the on the app, it, you know, you, you get your calories for the day, but it's so flexible because, you know, if you have a certain amount of, uh, of calories expected to use, but then you exercise, you can see that, and it seems simple. I mean, it's a simple concept, Freddie. If you exercise or have some activity, you can take in more calories. And so what it does is it's not restricting you. You know, one of the conversations I had with one of my brothers, I think, was, well, that's a bad food or that's a good food. There are no bad or good foods. There's just foods that you can eat in your allowable caloric daily intake. And I think for me personally, other than... You know, it, that that more than anything else, giving me an idea of what you're eating, what energy I'm expending, and it's kept my weight. I, I got to my goal weight, I'm going to say somewhere in the early March, and I have kept my weight for about four months or three and a half months now around the same amount, which for summer is amazing for me. Has that been similar to your experience? Well, absolutely. And um, it's the education. It's getting to know the food that you're putting in your mouth. And believe me, after several months of Noom and logging every day and getting to know all about foods, be they green foods, yellow foods, red foods, and you'll find out all about it once you join Zoom, if in fact you do. You become aware of those things, and uh, you can make decisions on the spot and uh, be equipped with that information that what you're about to eat, where it sits, and, and, and what, it, what effect it literally can have on you. And that education is brilliant, and also weighing yourself every day and yeah. just staying, staying on top of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis because we can all identify with that we lose some weight and then sort of let it get away from us and back on the scale a month or two after that and seven or eight pounds are back so it's just the discipline that it instills and the education it provides uh here's some interesting facts for you active numers lose an average of 15 pounds in 16 weeks and 95 percent of customers say Noom Weight is a good long-term solution. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight's psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash HF2022. That's Noom.com slash HF2022 to sign up for your trial today. Now, let me get uh, Dellen Gray here. And uh, there's somebody else I'd, I'm not sure... Who, but I'll let them in as well. Was it Papa? 
No, it's not Papa. I don't think. I think it's it's Dylan and Kyle. I don't know who Kyle is. But oh, uh, our real estate fella? No, mm-hmm. that's another person. No. Oh, okay. That's Michael right. Clausen. We're going to be talking about real estate with mm-hmm. Michael here in a couple oh, minutes. Oh, it's time. Kyle, their intern. Oh, it's there. Kyle, yeah, the intern. Like okay, well, I'm sorry. I had no it's idea. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right. And Kyle still feels obligated to pop in on Tuesdays and mm-hmm. say, I'm sorry, guys, I was busy. Dylan! Dylan, we gotta wait till. Oh my God, you're not. There we go, Dylan. I'm sorry, honey. We don't have time for you to play. Oh, okay, no problem, Um, Elijah. Oh, hang on. No, hang on. Hang on a second. Let me see, Kyle. Do you have anything for us? No. Nope. Okay, so we do have time. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Kyle. See you next Tuesday. See you next Cheers. Tuesday, man. Okay. We'll give you 20 minutes for that. Yeah, okay. next week you get, uh, yeah, do something next get week. T- uh-huh. Log 20 <laughs> minutes for this. Okay. <laughs> Dylan, that's our intern. He has zero interest in this show. Um, okay, no, I, you know what? We will have time now. Mm-hmm. I thought we had to do a bunch of other stuff. So uh, at the Horseshoe Tavern this Saturday, this is a show that Dylan was going to do, I guess... January. January. Turn your mic up a little bit so we can hear you, hon. January. It was uh, I got January seventh. And then what? It got delayed. It got postponed. Yeah, postponed. We've been waiting for it for like eight months now. So, uh, pretty stoked about it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a good one. Now we need more volume. Yeah. We're, when you sing, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sure if that's gonna be loud enough. I know your whole setup there. Um. Yeah, I apologize, Dylan. I forgot that you were going to play because I thought we were just going to plug your show. The show is this Saturday, July 9th. If you're, and here's what we're going to do. If you're in the city of Toronto, you want to hang out at the Horseshoe, you know, we've watched this kid grow up. He's, he's a, I'm going to talk about you like you're not here. He's ama- yeah, amazingly sure. talented. This Elijah guy, he, hang, he hangs around. I, he's good, too. <laughs> so I, I think we've met Elijah, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah, a good yeah, guy. Yeah. And uh, Elijah, are you going to be playing at the Horseshoe? I will be, yes. Okay, man. Yeah, he will with his uh, his band Taking Back August. Okay, fantastic. So if you want to go see, we've got a couple tickets are only 15 bucks. Go to horseshoetavern.com. But if you're watching the Facebook feed right now, and, and then I'll just say this. For the first person that says tickets or puts tickets in the in the um, comments, we'll, send, we'll put your name on the uh, guest list at the door. Is that okay, Dylan? Oh, yeah. All yeah. right, man. How's your dad, by the way? Does he ever does he remember us at all? He... Oh my god, he talks about you guys all the time, <laughs> all the time. Sure. Yeah, he wakes up and he like texts me and he's like, "Hey, remember Humble and Fred? Yeah, they're my favorite." <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> all right, they're my favorite. They're, they're my, my favorite. I love them so much. All right. Um, how can you do a quick song here? Is this a good one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it really quick. Let's do it up. Horseshoetavern.com. Our our friend Dylan Gray. Is going to be playing. I'm still here. I'm starting to hear my, me back again there, Fred, man. Did you turn it up? Okay. Uh, what are you going to play for us, guys? Uh, this is called Head to the Sky. It's an original. You're an original. Oh, my gosh. You're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the 
the sky The world kept turning and left me behind Trapped in survival, locked in time The world kept turning and left me behind I'm tired Tired of playing the game You can trust them all to sway The rules they make Sky, the world kept turning and left me behind. Trapped in survival, locked in time. The world kept turning and left me behind. Oh no, I'm Turning and left me behind Trapped in survival Locked in time The world kept turning Left me behind Oh, you left me behind Hard in denial Head to the sky You're so good, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah. And we it's, thought your dad was good. We thought your dad was good. You're way better. Yeah. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I'll have to tell him you said that. You know, he's probably hold that. How is he not listening? Uh, I know. Well, we had our dog in here. She's scared of the storm. It was a whole thing. So he's gone. Well, listen, man. Uh, it's I always forget how good you are. Grant Heaslip. Uh, we're going to put your name on the guest list at the Horseshoe Sweet. Tavern. Uh, HorseshoeTavern.com for more information about Dylan's show this Saturday, July 9th. Thank you very much. And uh, Thank you guys. I, I hope I'm sorry we had to rush you in and out. We just have to, we know what Dell we're doing so few shows or we're trying we have to get everyone on uh, the so few good. the few times uh, a week hey, that we're working. It's all good. Okay. I just I love seeing your beautiful faces whenever I can. Well, so thank no. you for having me. Stop it. You know, you know what, grandpas, you know, your grandpa gets all excited when people say nice things to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> grandpa. Uh, thanks, Dylan. Yeah, good luck Thank with you. the show. Yeah, Thank Elijah, you, so much. you keep on being cool. You're cool. You're a nice person. We can tell. God damn, Elijah's good too. Eh? Take care, man. Thank you guys. See you Bye. guys. Take it easy. Yeah, I'm starting to get some of that loop back. I'm not sure if it's from there. There's so many. No, it's probably not you. We, you think about it. We've had like four or five different people pop in on our Zoom feed here. I would so, say uh, that she had her headset yeah. very loud for that, and you were getting that back. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Let me get rid of that. Oh, I'm always right. You know that. Of course I do. I, are you kidding yeah. me? Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, 35 years or whatever being right. Yeah. So, you know, I've just gotten used to it. Um, Dandoran's news is coming up. We're going to be talking some real estate over the next little while with uh, Michael Clausen. He's been on the show before. 
And, uh, you know, much like a financial advisor, you know, I'm sure real estate agents now are being inundated with questions about the market and and the way that, uh, you know, the economy is stalling and real estate. How is that being affected? So we're going to have that conversation coming up. Uh, and uh, Dan Duran, I'm not sure if he is going to bother coming back for the news, but we uh, we have time for Dan Duran now. Do you want me to walk next door and tap on his tin? Hmm? I don't know, is that trailer? <laughs> Here he comes. I was going to say, is that kind of trailer talk for something? Yeah. Like, uh, tap, tap on, on his, his tin. tin. All right. <laughs> no, here he is. <laughs> uh, how good is Dylan, though? Eh? She's unbelievable. I always forget. Yeah. Fuck, she's talented. Well, you know, the apple, eh? Does it fall? You know, that whole thing? Yeah, I guess. Um, and, and in some ways, she reminds me, her voice I guess some t- reminds me a little bit of Pete. Like, obviously, there's some of that quality in, in how mm-hmm. she sings. No, I agree. Totally. But, you know, and, and of course, I know you're kidding, because Peter Cunio is one of the most talented people we've ever had the good fortune of of working with, much like our friend Dan Daru here, whose voice is impossibly beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. You guys are full of compliments today. And, yeah, all right. And thank you for sending it my way. Have you, um, have you guys seen the movie Taken? You know, Liam Neeson, his daughter oh, goes yeah. to, you know, so, you know, for people yes. who know, his daughter goes to Europe and there's the, and then there's that, he's an ex, he's like a CIA super spy right. guy. And, and there, was his, a couple, there are a couple of sequels yeah, there yeah. too, wasn't there? Yeah. But the yeah. original one is, you know, mm-hmm. he, she, she's being kidnapped and then he gets on the phone with the kidnapper and he's like, you know, uh, I just want you to know I have a certain set of skills that make me a, mm-hmm. a nightmare to people like you. I will find you. I will hunt you down and I will kill you. You know that speech, right? Yes. So I was talking to Spencer, who's about to go to Europe for like a month traveling with her friends. And I said, honey, you know that movie Taken? She goes, yeah, daddy. I said, I don't have any skills. That, I said, I have, I have no sets of skills that will. I, I said, if you get taken and I get on the phone with the kidnappers, what am I going to say? Um, I said, I'm going to come over there and going to do some mean crowd work with you. You know, I'm going to mock you. I will mock you. I will find you. I will hurt you your feelings. Be, you could. You beat him with a golf club. You get, it, you get it that. Mm-hmm. Put him in your massage chair. <laughs> That's right. I will find you. I said, Spencer, just so you know, I have no skills that can bring you home. None. But I am excited for them to go away for... Uh, this is a, a big trip for Spenny. Like, she's going to... They're going to be gone, I think, a month. Like, Paris... France, I'm sorry, France, uh, Germany, Amsterdam, London, uh, traveling with, I think, three or four other people. So I mean, is this like a backtrack, a back backpacking style trip where you stay in hostels and kind of that kind of thing? Or is it more Dan, a plan? Dan, Dan, what? Dan, have you met Spencer? There's no backpacking anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's uh, actually one of her friends. One of their friends has a sister living in Germany, so they're going to stay there for a couple weeks. But uh, I only bring it up so I could do that joke, but also to uh, talk about. I just, I, I've never had you know when Charlie moved to New York, it was a big step, you know, upheaval. But I, uh, you know, it's just different. I think with my youngest, not that I'm worried extra, but uh. Definitely a different vibe, you know? 
So you're a uh, concerned father right now, is what you're saying? Yeah, a little bit because it's so far out of my influence. You know, in terms of like if something goes wrong, I'm going to be getting on a plane to go to Germany. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but wait a minute. How old is she now? Twenty four. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I know. It's different when they're seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. And they take on an adventure like that, but she's pretty. Uh, her life skills are pretty, a hundred percent, pretty you know. mature at this point. So. No, yeah, I'm not worried. I just it's sort of an existential thing. Like I'm sort of, I guess I think I should be warm worried. I don't know. It's just a, mm-hmm. no, I it, get it. This seems weird that my yeah, little listen, baby's going over. They're there. always your kids. You're always their dad. It doesn't matter how old they get. You're always got some level of oh, concern. Yeah. And and, and fear, I fear. and I and I will be concerned. Until they're home. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I thought I'd share that with you, dads. In the meantime, no. here's to a fella named Dander. Speaking of Pete Cunio, a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential <laughs> anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dandoran, the anchorman comes and has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dandoran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now, live from Lakeside, has the rain uh, stopped, boys? No. Really? I can't hear a thing. Whatever we did to Fred's microphone, it sounds great. You can hear nothing. Uh, Live from Lakeside, uh, where the rain continues to fall. Here's Dan Durant. Well, Americans are reeling from Roe versus Wade, January 6th limo rides and wall catch-up, mass shootings, the revelation that the Environmental Protection Agency can't regulate the environment, and oh, all the gunning. They still have time for 4th of July eating contests, and competitive eater Joey Chestnut won a record-extending 15th time the Nathan's Famous International Hot Dog Eating Contest, devouring an astonishing 63 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes yesterday. That's a Hall of Fame right there, my friends. That's some Hall of Fame numbers. I don't know how that starts. You know, like... When I say start, yeah, a hot dog eating contest, but when, you know, these guys train for mm-hmm. 10, like, just think of 10. Think of five, for crying out loud. Where do 60 hot dogs go? How do you have to condition your stomach and all that's involved to take that on? Mm-hmm. There's a women's like, contest, too, and well, Miko Sudo. Yeah. She slammed 40 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. And what's the payoff for doing that to your body, I wonder? Like, like what do they what do they make, Dan? Like, what's the prize money? Oh, I didn't look up the prize well, money. Well, well Joey Chestnut is but he's been he's been doing this as you said fifteen times. Um, yeah. he's a little guy. He's not huge. Well, even that wasn't it a Korean guy. The the guy, the the longtime champ before him was a, a little Asian guy, and uh, not that it matters that he was Asian. Asian you know, <laughs> I was going to say he was a little guy. Do you I mean a, say are you Asian. saying Asian or Oriental? But his name was Kukiyaki or something. Yes, right? I think he was Kukiyaki. Um, yeah. yeah, I know who you mean. I think he's still around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny listening to the the news yesterday, CNN, MSNBC, and uh, Fox. Of course, they weren't covering the mass shooting. But it's interesting. I found it interesting. They're, they're talking to all these, you know, senators and, you know, politicians. On the one hand, they're commenting on the 300th plus that was now they're over 300 i think it's 305 mass shootings in this year so at the same time they've had 300 plus mass shootings 
these senators, congresspeople, politicians all keep referencing, you know, America, the greatest country in the world. And I'm like, how do you guys still think that is is what's really wrong with your country? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that I ever really, really listened to him either. I'm really losing my patience with uh, Joe Rogan because he went off on a couple of weeks ago on Canada's gun laws being ri- ridiculous and restrictive and, you know, um, lacking freedom. And, uh, you know, you, you just get these stories and just one after another. And I like our freedom yeah. or lack of it. I, I really do. <laughs> You know, and through this latest shooting, too, you know, the the default is always, oh, mental health, mental health. And I think that's why they got some movement on that bipartisan bill, spun it from a mental health standpoint. Yeah. We won't so much take away your guns as we will restrict your access to them, some people, which is progress, I guess, on some level. Yeah, but, you know, and, and I'll, you know, and again, I brought this up before. It's funny you mentioned Joe Rogan. I just find it weirdly annoying and all these, you know, uh, news, uh, you know, my two hour ride last night was all just listening to the news about this shooting. And, and the thing that really bugs me, one of the things is they reference Europe and they reference Asia and, and their gun laws. And, then, and several times they said, you know, in those countries, they don't have mass shootings like this because people aren't allowed to walk around with an AR-15. And I, I of course, am thinking well all you have to why can't you reference canada which is literally next door to you like it it would and it seems to me and again you can help help me with this is that not lazy because it seems lazy to me to not go forget europe and asia the country that is a walk across the street from us has had 305 less mass shootings than we have in the last year wouldn't that be more of a comparable fred dan yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was. I was just going to say that that in our our society is the most like their society exactly anywhere on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know. So how does that not occur? Code. That's a great point. We're the most like them, of course. Not the bad parts, but similar society. Simil- the most similar society, Fred. And yet, it never occurs to any of these anchors or any mm-hmm. of those producers to go. Just look at Canada, our close neighbor. That's right there. Doesn't have all these mass shootings. Yeah, you know, and a lot of it's ignorance, too, right? As you say, which comes from the laziness as well. For whatever reason, we just don't show up on the radar, and it's hard to believe with the proximity. Well, so and, and I think Dan makes refer- a great point. They yeah. reference Germany, and they reference, you know, Britain, and yeah. even Australia is above us. They'll yes. They'll mention Australia before they'll mention Canada. It's odd. You know, Fred, they mentioned all those countries. They mentioned Africa. As, as a continent with less uh, of this kind of activity. And I kept thinking, guys, mm-hmm. you could literally see Canada from the U.S. of A. Anyway. Maybe, again, it doesn't help the narrative that, you know, being attached, the same land mass, just a borderline changes so much. Yeah. We're a, a shining example of the way it can be for them. So what is the excuse maybe that's it uh dan duran do you have a uh, final story before we talk real estate with our new real estate reporter all the things that go on on cruise ships last week a carnival cruise ship had a brawl that 60 people got into now this is the interesting part several passengers accused their significant others of cheating on them in a threesome what? on board the ship 
So that started a fight that turned into a physical alteration that turned into a free-for-all that eventually swelled to 60 ignorant people acting stupid, as the passenger said. And it, apparently it kicked off the ship's fifth floor where the dance floor and the casino were located. And over the course of an hour, it eventually progressed to the first floor. It's like they bounced down the stairs to get to the first floor of this enormous cruise ship. Eventually, the U.S. Coast Guard were called, and they sent a boat to escort them back to Manhattan. And just, I'm just astonished. Well, I'm sorry, what's happening here? There was an orgy that turned into a free-for-all? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't catch it. Did you give... Was it a seniors thing, or was this an all-ages brawl? I think it was... (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's right. Open to anyone. Anyone can get involved. Yes, An all-ages brawl. Well, Dan, uh, do you want to stick here while we talk real estate with Michael Claussen? Yeah, sure. And then you can close the show. I don't know. I know you're busy monitoring the rain. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we can... uh, It's a a special show. We're not doing so many shows right right now. It's very special. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me uh, let me just get uh, some music here and get uh, Michael to uh, come on in for a second or two here. Stand by. A lot Stand of stuff by. going. A lot of stuff going on right now. Did you guys hear that Drake uh, joined uh, the Backstreet Boys? You used to call me on my. Yes, I did. You used to... I don't know why that fascinates me. It's like, oh, cool. This Drake just shows up and. Yeah. I wonder if that was impromptu or did they know in advance that Drake was going to show up and hang with the Backstreet Boys? And what was that song? You did it my way? Or yeah, something like that. Way? Something yeah. like that. What uh, What blows me away about Drake is he's always in Toronto. He sure loves his hometown, I'll yeah. tell you. Even in the winter. Well, yeah, because he could go anywhere else. Oh, I'd say. He's uh, always at Raptor Games in February. No, I know. Hey, listen, it's not all about Toronto. Today, it's about what's going on in the real estate market, specifically in the Niagara area. We've talked to Michael a couple of times, and now we're pleased to have Michael join our team for a, uh, a kind of a look at what's going on in the markets month to month. And Michael Clausen, welcome to the program. How are you, my friend? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Well, good. And I was just looking at your site. It's 1111realty.ca, and that's the number 11. So it's 111111realty.ca if you want to find out where you can uh, get and interact with uh, Michael. But by way of just introduction, you know, like here in Toronto, and I'm sure it's the same in Niagara, nothing will get a conversation going. When people find out that you do what you do, I'm sure, is then... Is start talking about the price of their own homes and the value of the markets. And let's just start there. What is going on uh, with the markets these days? Let's have that conversation. Well, thank you. Uh, so we are we are a listing brokerage. We just sell for builders. So we're a little different. We don't do a lot of resale like a lot of uh, like your standard real estate brokerage would. Uh, I'm the broker of record. And uh, a bunch of our biggest clients are in the Niagara region, as well as Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the main thing you hear about today is affordability. Affordability, affordability. That's, that's the story across Canada. And um, it, it, there's no difference in Niagara or anywhere else. You know, it comes down to builders getting their approvals in a timely manner. And uh, Ford does seem to have some really good policies and uh, that he's uh, proposing to implement, and I believe he's going to do it. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've all got the same issue. 
once that's taken care of, if he does actually come through with everything that he's proposing, uh, the main the main issue is going to be getting them built, and uh, that that comes down to skilled trades. That's the most important thing is getting more skilled trades into our industry so we can actually get these houses built. Mm-hmm. The skilled trades problem that is older people retiring, leaving the professions, and millennials not really embracing those opportunities. Is that uh, the issue? That is, that is correct. That's the driving force behind it. You know, a lot of the experienced, more senior trades started retiring you know, about five years ago, and that continues every year. And, of course, it takes a lot longer to recruit, educate, and uh, get get new trades working, apprenticing, and then, you know, off on their own. So we're really trying to get the word out, um, you know, shine a light on this issue, because even if, even if everything goes as planned and, and the government is able to get the red tape out of the way for builders, you know, to get to 1.5 million built homes in the next 10 years, nothing's going to matter if we don't have the people to build. Right. Right. And it's amazing, eh? Like a young drywaller could make easily a hundred grand a year. It's hard work, but there's money in the trades as well. Yeah. Drywallers, framers, plumbers, uh, carpenters. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge. There's so many opportunities. And, you know, I don't know how many. You're right with millennials. You know, I, I think a lot of it is it it's just hasn't been on their radar. We have to do a better job of educating the, them about the opportunities coming yeah. out yep. of school. You know, and, it, and we it, want to do that. It's interesting because I'm, I'm so the opposite of somebody like Dan who is very handy he's he's left the uh, zoom but but when you talk about the the skilled trades can anyone learn those like if there's a millennial is, is are those things like framing and and uh taping and all that stuff is that is that a learnable skill absolutely absolutely they've got amazing courses at georgian college mohawk college uh you know they've got great opportunities for for the new generation to learn any skill they'd like. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's like anything in life. I mean, you got to be interested in it, of course. I'm like you. I'm not I'm not super handy as well, but <laughs> I recognize that our industry as a whole depends on this more than anything. Well, I think our generation, the parents of our age, we all had aspirations. We saw a lot of our parents work very hard, physical labor. I did, as a matter of fact. So we wanted our kids, we all wanted them to go to university and become rocket scientists or Mm -hmm. lawyers or doctors or everything. So the trades sort of got overlooked. And it's a shame because, as you say, there's lots of opportunity there. There is. And and like you say, they pay very well these days. I think people Mm -hmm. don't realize just how well it pays. And, you know, one day you can own your own company and then (laughs) you're laughing once you get into the building industry. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody's desperate for great work. So we, we, we sort of began by like a sort of a state of the market and then we got into the, the trade conversation. But let's just go back to the idea that everyone is a bit nervous, it seems. Mm. The downturn in the economy, the price of gas, inflation, etc. And, and again, I know that you're, you're not selling you know, uh, residential homes, but you have a sense of the market in general. And what does it feel like to you, given your experience and the years you've yeah. been doing this? It, it feels similar to 2008. Mm-hmm. 
it does feel similar to that. And, uh, you know, in Toronto, especially, we had about six months of not plummeting prices, nothing like that, but, you know, a stabilizing of pricing, a slowing of sales. Uh, after six months, though, it came roaring back. Now, I can't say that this will be the same, but it does feel very similar to that. Interestingly enough, even at its worst in 2008, uh, the mortgage delinquency rate in Canada only went to 0.45%. Mm. So a lot of people, a lot of doomsayers today are, you know, with rising interest rates are saying we're going to have all these defaults in mortgages. We haven't seen it historically. Canadians are very, very serious about their mortgage. Uh, It's the Canadian dream to own a home. They'll actually forego other payments before they'll risk missing their mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of last year, uh, the GTA was only at 0.7%, like less than 1% of people defaulted on a mortgage. So. It's not a concern that we have at the moment, even though, you know, that's going to be a major headline, I think. Okay. But uh, you, um, a lot of your business out in the Niagara region, um, still the opportunity Mm -hmm. to sell in Toronto for big dough and buy in Niagara for not so much dough is, um, is a great way to put some money in the bank. Yeah, absolutely. And that that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, we've got an amazing opportunity coming up uh, with one of our clients, Mountain View Building Group. They're the largest uh, Niagara builder. They've got an incredible site coming in August in Font Hill, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful town about 10 minutes south of uh, St. Catharines off the Mm -hmm. 406. And uh, if you want to live anywhere in Niagara, this is the spot nestled into the escarpment, surrounded by golf courses and wineries. It's just a beautiful town. And we'll have freehold towns, semi-detached, and detached homes coming there in August. Uh, it's funny. I, I, my buddy Dave, his uh, mom and dad, I think, were based in Font Hill. But I know there's not like 20 Valley, a golf course in that area. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's there's quite a few. It's yeah. it's a gorgeous sport. I, I only know I only know the region, but you tell me what 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 golf course it's near, and I'll tell you where it is. Listen, <laughs> Michael Clausen, we're, we're looking forward to doing this every month. One 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 Realty dot ca eleven eleven Real Estate Services. Michael Clausen is the guy, and if you're looking for any information uh, about anything you've heard today, or you just want to have a chat about maybe relocating to the Niagara area, Michael Clausen is the guy. Michael. Well, thanks very much, and I hope this uh, this worked out well for you, okay? My pleasure. Thanks, thanks Michael. Have a good one. Good All info. right, you take care, my friend. There you go. It was a very busy Humble and Fred show today, gentlemen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that area. We wouldn't have it any other way. I'll tell you, that area he's talking about is fantastic. Uh, the, I, I'm, it's funny, because I'm going out to play this golf course out there next week, and as soon as you leave the 403 or whatever it is, I guess it's the QEW mm-hmm. in there, and start heading south into that escarpment area. It's fantastic. It, I, I've never been to uh, Dan. What's that area um, uh, north of San Francisco? Famous wine region. Oh, Napa Valley. Yeah, I've never been there, but this has got that similar vibe. That whole area does wineries, and it's just beautiful. 
Yeah, I thought yeah. when you were, you know, still drinking your wine, you might move there, eh, to be a little closer. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah, just get a, a, a big keg and just drip it into my mm. stupid face. Have a, a pipeline in from <laughs> various... Right. A, a direct tap to the vats. When are they going to get a good non-alcoholic fucking wine? It's just horrible. Well, that's called juice, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I've been searching. I got a... A buddy of mine that I uh, golf with assures me that he's a, an importer. He brings in what I what like a, a broker, a booze broker, mm-hmm. and whatever that's called. And um, I, he said, "Yeah, he's got a line on a couple that are pretty good, but that is something that uh, is still not. I haven't been able to solve that problem." Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you know they've made great strides with beer, as we've talked about. Yeah. But uh, so yeah. good. Not so much with that. I'm looking for a non-alcoholic scotch. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Well, you know, you laugh, but there's this thing. uh, There's lots of non-alcoholic faux gins, and and just like you can get cans of. Yeah, man, it's heinous. It's awful. (laughs) No, it really is. I highly not recommend. It's awful, (laughs) Um, and it's expensive. Like, I paid $40 a couple of summers ago for this thing called Seedlip, and it's faux gin. And I got so excited. It was at the cottage. I was going to make a Caesar. Mm. And I got it all ready, and I had the salt, and I was all excited. And then I tasted it, and it was just like, fucking, what is this? It was like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, they, they try really hard to give you the essence of those spirits, but it, it's not. Well, at 40% uh, alcohol volume, I think yes. it's, it's really hard. That's a huge part of the of To the replicate. Drink. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. How, you're right. How, how do you get that feel or whatever? Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I'm coming up to visit you guys in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be bringing all kinds of non-alcoholic beer. I'm going to do a little search because I know Darren, your buddy, I, I talk to him all the time about different ones that we like. And uh, I'm going to see if I can find a couple of the, the special ones that I've tried that I want to let you guys try as well. And we can do a little uh, uh, non-alcoholic beer tasting, maybe do a flight. Yeah, that would be a cool. Flight of, of different beers. Um, but I was at this tournament yesterday, and a- a- after the round, everyone's sitting around for an hour drinking before dinner. And I uh, had the uh, waitstaff person, you know, human, get me a non-alcoholic beer. And I said, just put it in a glass for me, if you wouldn't mind. So I'm walking around with this beer in a glass, just like a normal beer drinking guy. It was great. You know, no one knows any different. And I started acting hammered. So, you know, people would think, you know, fuck, you, fuck you with your one fucking tooth. I used to do that, too. And in, uh, in my bar days, when I used to go to bars, no, 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 bars what, anymore, walk but, around screaming, fuck you. Like people? <laughs> <laughs> maybe what did you do? Maybe not. That. What did you do, Dan? Oh, no, we can't you, see. You know, when you went to a here's a, it actually bugged me. You, you'd, you'd ask for a glass of water. From, okay. you know, the barkeep and mm-hmm. they give you a, the tallest glass available with, you know, w- you know, so everybody else is carrying normal glasses, you know, around them. And then they you, you're, you end up with this tall thing with a straw in it. And then, you know, mm-hmm. so, at, so I always had to qualify. But that's what I did. I, I you know, more of a, a bar glass tumbler right. with a little bit of a squeeze of lime in it or something. Oh, like then, a short, like a highball type of thing. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Look, yeah, yeah. And, so you fit in. So I fit in, but I wasn't, uh-huh. you know, and it looked like totally you were drinking water. like a gin and tonic or something. Yeah, nobody was like questioning it. Yeah, Dan Duran, you, you you forgot, but uh, Dan Duran used to do this thing where he would just go and, you know, 
do bar. You go to a bar by himself and just like yeah, I'll see a band playing or whatever. Right. Is that what you were doing, or was it to go pick up the chicks? Come on. Well, there's Come occasionally on. that happens. Oh, too. did but, you it? Know, just going out for the experience of enjoying life outside and. Yeah. I, I don't know. I enjoyed crowds and stuff. It was I should try fun that for me. Yeah, yeah I should just do. I start to go to the <laughs> yeah, bars. Not anymore. Myself. I mean, yeah. you know, COVID. <laughs> and all like, what do you do? Like, I see, I can't identify. I, that. I, I don't, don't know, know where you do. Well, you're, we're we're not good looking. See, the thing is, Dan knows yeah, that if he goes to the bar and he's walking around swirling a faux highball. Women mm. and men too, I'm sure. Well, just come up to him, like, hey, mm. what are you up to? Want to have a conversation? I know. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my sister-in-law, and Dan's name come up, and it's like, oh, my God, I remember when I first met him, like, walking in a room, and how striking he was, how good-looking he mm. was. Wow. And I said, well, he is still on some level. <laughs> Except when he's sitting at a picnic table and his sack's hanging out of his shorts. <laughs> or he's got his bathing suit on backwards. <laughs> no, that, Dan, that's true. That conversation was had. And I think, well, yeah. Yeah, what's that like? What, what's yeah. it, what would that be like? Yeah, I don't know. I you don't know, get that. To have people refer to you based on your... And there's so much more to you, Dan. I'm not just saying looks, but yeah, for that to be kind of, like, yeah, a, you're not a just a pretty face, Dan. You're, you're no, you you have the whole deep voice too. You're not just you're not just beautiful, but you also have a nice voice. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it, like it a lot. Um, okay. <clears throat> All right. Okay. All right. That's you a done lot everything of show. I, do. I don't know, man. Is that the busy... question that you were just going to ask for? Yeah. He's like, hey, we, did we miss anything? We yeah, we miss anything. Okay. Well, no, tomorrow. Good. All right. Tomorrow is Wednesday. And, uh, <laughs> like, just so you all know, we're only working a couple days a week. Okay. It's summertime. We got stuff to do. Uh, we missed a show yesterday. We're doing three days a week uh, next week. That's a big week for us. And then uh, we're going to be off for a couple weeks. But just, you know, you know those of you that are hundy peas, you know that when, you know, grampies, we need our little time in the summertime because we haven't got a lot of time left, you know. It's a long fall and winter. Yeah. And uh, so just bear with us. Uh, there's going to be some great best of shows that we're putting together. Um, but uh, tomorrow is a, uh, another busy show. Ron James will be our guest. The Sherpa will be here. Uh, Dan Duran, of course. Toronto Mike. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully you all uh, join us. Did you hear that, by the way, uh, when uh, Maureen was talking about Wendy Mesley living in Prince Edward County? Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's where all the cool people are living now, aren't they? Don't I know it. Damn, man. How did we not... Why are we not living in... Prince Edward County. Where's this? You know, what is he? What? What? What is that? What's that? What town is that? That's like Picton area, uh, Sandbanks, Provincial Park, out that way. Very loyal. Loyalist a lot of restaurants. A lot of a lot of chefs from Toronto have oh, yeah. gone out there and opened little cool little restaurants. And I was reading last week these. Uh, I think it's called the Robin Motel. Or something, or I, I can't remember. Two women moved out there and bought this old motel and turned it into this cool boutique thing. And it's like three hundred bucks a night, and you can't, you can't, you got to book like a year in advance and there all that kind of. A million of those stories out there. Um, and this is east of Toronto, Prince Edward County. 
Mm-hmm. Like uh, Kingston. Oh. Is it Kingston? You said Loyalist, Dan. Loyalist is just west of Kingston. Yeah, it's out that way. Is it really? It's more Belleville. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Our old general manager lives out there. Gigi. Gigi. Mm-hmm. Gigi Lever? Mm-hmm. That's nice. And, and Anthony lives out there, too. <laughs> Steve Anthony moved out there, opened a bed and breakfast. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I still find that bizarre. Why? Well, because it's like you go, you check into your bed and breakfast, and there's the guy from Much Music yelling at you. <laughs> yelling at you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you want a croissant? <laughs> that's right. first thing in the morning yeah, yeah. you're out by the pool he wants to produce every song on your iPad oh, exactly. or he's doing like one of his stunts around the place you know anyway uh, but he's a good man he's a good man he's a good yeah. man and yeah, we got no we got no bad words to say about anybody mm-hmm. all right uh, thanks to Maureen Holloway Wendy Mesley Dylan Gray Elijah Michael Clausen Rudra Rishi Maharaj and I think that's... Uh, did we miss anyone that was on the show this morning? We'll see you guys tomorrow. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Relaxicare, and DraftKings. Email us at humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Please like the show and subscribe. It helps the show grow. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, rain can fall on your tin roof, but that's what it's for. Enjoy every goddamn day. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Mm-hmm.